Hello, Tom Myers here. If you're like me and you've got a lot to say, a lot of stories to share, a lot of opinions to give, then listen up. I'm going to talk about something that's going to take your passion for podcasts to the next level. I'm talking about the 7 Million Bikes podcast course. This is the podcasting course you need. Imagine having the skills, the knowledge, and the confidence to create, produce, and grow a successful podcast. And you're not doing it alone. I'm talking about Neil Mackay, the podcast guy, founder of 7 Million Bikes Podcasts. He knows what it takes to turn your passion into a podcast that stands out. He's going to guide you through everything from podcast ideas that resonate to nailing that audio production and even editing your episodes like a pro. With 23 tutorials and over three hours of video content, this course is packed with practical tips, real-world examples, and everything you need to know to get started. Just $97 for a wealth of knowledge that'll set you up for podcasting success it's a no-brainer think about it less than a hundred bucks to unleash your creativity share your story and potentially even turn your passion into a profitable business people like ian payton who's taken the course launched their own podcast and already in the top 10 percent of podcasts worldwide and you could be next the seven million bikes podcast course is your ticket to podcasting greatness. Go to the link in my show notes right now and let's make your podcasting dream a reality. Hi, I'm A.A. Ron, the owner and producer of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. Bombing Run, the original comedy combat game show. It's an hour's worth of comedians clashing with their jokes. And soon to be released, Orbs Wacky World, a talk show with a twist. It will be a mix of comedy, unusual questions and music with orb as the host oddly funny productions we might be odd but we bring the funny to you that's a-w-d-l-y funny productions hey everyone it's me again if you're tired of listening to this show with all these ads in the way go ahead and subscribe to my patreon in addition to listening to this show without the ads you also get extended versions of these episodes and bonus clips as well doesn't cost that much you can get plans for as low as one dollar a month you can show the love and your support just go to patreon.com slash tom myers spelled m-y-e-r-s and subscribe and listen and enjoy today again that's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, and welcome to the Tom Myers versus the rest of the world Iowa caucus recap special. So Iowa Republicans held their caucus on Monday. As predicted, Donald Trump was the winner among all the caucus goers. It's fitting in a state where the mindset of most of the voters that day was, I may kill someone in a multi-car pileup in this weather, but fuck it. (laughs) Various numbers were thrown out on the local media outlets there in Iowa. Minus six, minus four, feels like minus 45. And once they stopped talking about the chances of a candidate not named Donald Trump winning, they gave the weather forecast for that day. (laughs) Florida Governor Ron DeSantis came in a distant second, followed closely by Nikki Haley. It's a miracle Ron DeSantis did so well, considering his target demographic only votes for him if they have the effects of heat stroke. (laughs) Overall, it's unsettling that Republicans are still willing to go for a candidate that could receive a conviction in a criminal trial and possibly 
be the first president who would sign bills into law while simultaneously getting butt-fucked by his cellmate. Oh, jeez. For legal reasons, I don't <laughs> want Donald Trump to be butt-fucked by his cellmate that much. <laughs> From what we can see into the Iowa caucus results, the major component of the Republican Party's platform is trading in racism and xenophobia. It has gotten so desperate for the GOP candidates not named Donald Trump that while there is a clamoring for second place, which will lead to being the VP pick for a third Trump candidacy, third place will get their own show on Fox or Newsmax, and fourth place will be the guest host on Tucker Carlson's show when Alex Jones isn't available. <laughs> and now on with the show. Joining me tonight, please welcome Jeff Heisen, Gina Brown, and Davin Rosenblatt. Hey, Tom. Great to be here. Everyone, welcome. So I take it uh, you all have opinions on uh, on on what happened, on what happened in Iowa. Like, were any of us really surprised at this result? <laughs> um, su surprised. Less than 100,000 white people voted for an orange man uh, that they've been <laughs> clamoring to follow since 2015. Shock, I say, shock. <laughs> and and the outsize import that that we give this small population, the small percentage of people who could vote that actually voted, even if they all voted, it's still a small number. But this small number that actually voted has an outsize import, and it, good for the Democrats for moving this 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 mess out of Iowa as the uh, and going and and not having a caucus. Uh, the Republicans deserve it. Democrats are doing mail-in this year, right, for Iowa? It's mail-in, and it's going to be on uh, – they'll announce the results on Super Tuesday. So it's going to be – I thought, I thought they already announced the results. Nope. They, they're, they, they're, they're taking this seriously. They're just saying, like, fuck Iowa because yeah. it's getting – like, I was I, – I, I posted some comment or I posted some image on Instagram, and someone who follows me was, was from Iowa – said something along the lines of like, well, if the Democrats want diversity, they have to do, they have to do this caucus in Iowa and they have to do it early. I'm like, it's Iowa. They're the, they're literally the antithesis of, of diversity. Yeah. 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 There's like one city that has some people in it, Des Moines or, you know what I mean? There's like nobody else is there. Well, the, the, co the college towns, they have a little, yeah. they have some diversity. Right. Yeah, but those are imports. Like they 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 vote elsewhere. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah. I mean, listen. The Democrats are not going to win Iowa anyway. I no. Mean, no. I I don't. I couldn't even tell you the last Democrat to win that in a presidential election. Yeah, it's not an indicator for us. Like I, I I'm not even sure with this how it turned out for the Republicans. That's an indicator for it's them. Not. Right. Like it, I think. It, yeah. But for what? But what you saw though is. DeSantis throwing all of his resources into Iowa. He moved away from New Hampshire. He focused on Iowa and he barely finished second. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Haley got fewer votes than him and she's all but been anointed as the successor, if not the next president, by the Washington Post and the New York Times, who love her. They love her. So, but, but again, if we're talking about irrelevant things, does it really matter what the Washington Post and New York Times says about a Republican? No. <laughs> right. 
right. It, it helps set the national discourse, and donors see it, and they saw the them. They saw her on the front page every day. First, the Post had DeSantis. Then they moved to Haley, and neither of them did well. It's like neither, the be- it's the best of the worst, right? So it's yeah. just that's really all that the New York Times and the Washington Post can do for the Republicans. That's it. I do have a strategy for Nikki Haley, but it it would take some gumption. And I don't I don't think she has that type of gumption. But if I was Nikki Haley, does it involve saying something bad about Trump? Would that be because that that is a lot of gumption? Yes, it does. Actually, here, 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 because here's what I would say, because they were supposed to have a debate on Thursday, this coming Thursday, DeSantis, Trump and Nikki Haley. But Donald Trump isn't going to do it. And why would he? He doesn't have to do it. But knowing Donald Trump's base and knowing Donald Trump is base, this is what this is what I would say if I was Nikki Haley. Donald Trump is a blabbering old pussy who's afraid to show up and face me because I'll make him look like the doddering old fool that he is. Now, you're going to piss off some Trump voters, but they weren't going to vote for you anyway. But there are some that go, wow, she's got balls. And that's what they react to. And Donald Trump would be painted into a corner. Like, am I going to ignore her? Am I going to am I going to let her call me a pussy and a chicken? He might. That would be the smart thing. But either way, she's going to make headlines. Everybody's going to talk about this prim, proper Reagan-esque Republican calling Donald Trump a pussy. And she's going to lose anyway. But if you're going to lose, you might as well go down in flames and be memorable. But she has. Uh, a, a wonderfully large new security detail paid for by our tax dollars now because of all the flack and all the shit she'd catch him doing something like that. You see, did, Dav- you say- Davin, I like your idea because, as you said, she's not going to win anyway. And listen to what Trump said today about her, today being Wednesday. Anyone listening to Nikki Nimrata Haley's... So, first of all, he puts in parentheses... Nimrata, like she's a Nimrod, because her real name is Nimrata. So he 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 misspells it, and you never know with him if he's misspelling on purpose right. or to be vindictive because he's an idiot. But he says Nikki Nimrada, Nimrata, like a Nimrod. Haley's whacked out speech last night. She couldn't even beat a very flawed Ron De Sanctimonious, who's out of money and out of hope. She came in a distant third. She said she would never run against me. He was a great president and should have been followed and should have followed her own advice. There's nothing she can do. Yes, there is. You're absolutely right, Davin. I, and I think you should be on uh, her campaign team. Listen, thank you. And I, I will tell you this. In 2015, I said this before when, when Donald Trump was running against the whole field and before he became this force, but he was just eating them up. I said, these candidates need to get... Com- uh, comedy writers because they can't do it on their own. Donald Trump is playing a whole different game. You get comedy writers who know how to put people down and roast his thin-skinned ass. Because, and I bring this up all the time. Before John Stewart uh, retired from the from the from the Daily Show, he was roasting Donald Trump. And when John Stewart was still doing the Daily Show, as you guys, I'm sure remember, all the major media outlets were covering clips of the Daily Show. It was part of what they were, MSNBC, CNN, 
and he was roasting them, but he retired and nobody else has roasted him in that way since. Donald Trump never becomes president in my mind. So take that what it's worth. If John Stewart doesn't retire and roast, he was roasting him on ways like how he ate pizza. John Stewart was not afraid. John Stewart would go toe to toe with him and nobody else will go toe to toe with him. That's the problem. Except Chris Christie and nobody wanted to hear from him. Interesting thing I noticed, uh, this thinking of just doing this episode and putting everything together, that Iowa switching to like extreme Republican the way it has is only a recent phenomenon. If you look back at the last nine presidential election cycles, the Republican candidate for president only won Iowa three of those times. Uh, Trump really? won it in 2016 and 2020. Uh, Bush won it in 04. Like even Michael Dukakis won Iowa in in 1988. And that was that, that was when the, the Democratic Party was at among its its lowest ebb. So you know, Obama Obama carried Iowa? Very, very handily. Very handily. He won he he won the caucus there that first uh uh his first go at the uh at, at the White House. With the outcome of the caucuses in the Buckeye State. Not a surprise, given the various polling done among Republicans there. The results were a foregone conclusion, as we can see in this collection from various news outlets early Tuesday night. Hallie, i got to interrupt you. We, we have a major election alert from our decision desk. We want to stand by for breaking news. I think we have a call. And we do. NBC News can now project that Donald Trump has won the Iowa caucus. The first vote's just coming in with Trump leading Haley and DeSantis by double digits. You can see right there Donald Trump, 14 delegates already awarded out of 40. It's unclear the margin of victory right now. It's still unclear who's in second place because it's still very early. But now with the first contest so far, the first votes underway, Donald Trump, the former president, running away with victory. Now, this is no surprise, but still, it's a notch in the belt for former President Trump, and it gives him the big momentum as he heads to New Hampshire, the contest next week. So based on the first results and our Fox News voter analysis, the Fox News decision desk can now project that former President Donald Trump will win the Iowa caucuses. He will take uh, the lion's share of the state's 40 delegates. This result really solidifies his place as the current front runner for the nomination. Uh, former governors Haley, former Governor Haley and Governor DeSantis fighting for second. And this is really going to maybe last a while because it's a close race right now, how we see it based on the numbers we're looking at. Good evening, I'm David Muir. The first results of the 20 caucuses revealing the election road ahead for Republicans, Donald Trump, Nikki Haley, and Ron DeSantis. Take a look as we come on the air here. ABC News is now projecting, based on analysis of the entrance polling, that former President Donald Trump will win Iowa, where he had nearly a 30-point lead heading into the Iowa caucuses tonight. Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis are now in a crucial race for second place with the New Hampshire primary, of course, on the horizon. DeSantis heavily invested in Iowa, visiting all 99 counties, attending more events than Trump and Haley combined. But again, as we come on right now, Donald Trump, we are now projecting based on analysis of the entrance polling, will win Iowa. The correlation between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump in that one. It's a bit like, you know, Ron DeSantis must feel like the comic who does a comedy contest. He's got a tight set. He hits everything. He does everything he needs to do. He prepares, but then loses to the guy who brings 30 of his friends 
<laughs> and, and closes on a joke about how he creates an ice cream sundae using his own cum. Whoa. Wow. That was, a, that, that was something. Um, yeah. Quite the image. Thank you. It, <laughs> yeah, it, I think they were so... It was the the way they were like, breaking news! Like, we really do have peanut butter in a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like, <laughs> it's like out of control. Like, they were so excited. Like, oh, wow. That was comical. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> I was watching this and, and they were, they had made the projection. NBC does this thing where they say, you know, we, the Iowa caucus is too close to call, but we can tell you Trump is leading or Trump is ahead. And usually when they get to that point where they say such and such candidate is ahead, it's a foregone conclusion that that particular candidate is going to carry that, uh, carry that particular state. So it takes all the suspense out of it. But then you see that and the representatives for the candidates, they're still, you know, caucusing. They're still giving their, they're still giving their speeches. So it's like, do they, like, I imagine like everybody there has phones and everything. So they, they kind of know what's going on. So if it, it's got to be absolutely deflating to them to see, Oh, all the news outlets are saying that the guy I'm supposed to be stumping really hard for didn't win. What's the, what's the point? Well, right. And it, I mean, it's 15% of a party is, is that noteworthy? Like 15% of the Republicans came out to vote. Like, is that even, can you win that? Is that something? I don't know if it's noteworthy. Tell me what you think of this idea. And I've thought this for a long time. I don't know if it's feasible. I think it is uh, because of what the point Tom was making, people are still voting while they're giving their code words for who's winning. Why can't America have one time for polling? All, ba all ballot boxes, all polling places across the country, except for Alaska and Hawaii, which are hopeless, are open the exact same hours, <laughs> 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. On, on the West Coast. And everybody's open the same same time. So no one's closing early. So there's no question about, well, the East Coast is trending this way. So people on the West Coast aren't going to vote or they feel because they feel their vote won't matter. How about for 48 states, one opening close time? But, but the, there's no um, consistency across any of the election boards, regardless, regardless. So it wouldn't it's not just about polling time. It's about other things that are inconsistent across counties and states for elections anyway i'm an election yeah I agree, I agree with gina i mean <laughs> i i like it in theory but they can't all get their act together yeah you know some some places have mail-in voting some doesn't some people are still waiting online there's no great way to do it now i do think what the caucuses and i've thought this for a while i, I feel like jeff was talking about like the general election which, yeah well, yes well, i feel like with the caucuses they should divide the not the caucuses excuse me the primaries they should divide the country in quarters and do and and rotate every four years 
how we do it. Instead of making Iowa number one and New Hampshire number two, you know, one year it's the Northeast. Another year it's the Southwest. Everybody gets a shot to be number one. Everybody, you know, and then you don't have to spend a year in Iowa. I mean, really, who wants to do that anyway? Like, you don't have, you don't have to show up to the Iowa County Fair and choke down a corn dog. You have to show up to that quarter of the country. But, but why do you even have to have a caucus? Well, that's a, that. Listen, how else are you going to get to meet your neighbors? Right. You <laughs> I mean, you should be campaigning everywhere, whether, you know, it's Iowa or Nebraska. Like you have to get the word out about who you are and why people should vote for you. But, you know, I don't know since even if you do that in Iowa, like, you know, Minnesota doesn't know who you are. Like, you know what I mean? So what what's the point of the caucus if it's only one state anyway? No, the, well, I, again, I think that's the primary you're talking about. What's the point of that primary? Well, yeah, the what's caucus, the point of that primary? Yeah. Right, because the caucus is just how they do it, which is they get together and they argue amongst themselves and go, listen, Nikki Haley's the bee's knees. But yeah, I mean, our, <laughs> listen, our, our system is flawed. I don't know if Tom wants us to solve that tonight. I mean, no, we, probably I mean, not. We certainly have the brain power between the four of us to do it, but I don't know. I don't know Tom's deal with his podcast networks if he's paid the compensation necessary for us to solve that problem. (laughs) All I can say is, Davin, you'd better heavily promote my Patreon this week if you want. That's all I do, baby. That's all I do. Even when I'm not on the show, I'm like, have you seen Tom Meyer's Patreon? He's saving the world, (laughs) damn it. While Trump barely phoned it in during his campaign stops in Iowa, with his position as the former president and his fan base, he really didn't have to do much, and his brain concurred. As we can see in this clip from a campaign stop earlier this month in the town of Newton. We're losing our blood, and we're losing our treasure doing this all over the world. We want to protect our country. And you know, those domes are starting to work. I didn't like it when Ronald Reagan suggested it because we didn't have the technology. We do have the technology now. And we're going to build a giant dome over our country to protect us from a hostile source. And I think it's a great thing. And it's going to all be made in the United States. And that's something that I consider productive. You know, when I watch uh, our guys operate those things, it's unbelievable. Missile coming in, missile coming in. These geniuses sit down. Most of them are, you know, they're from MIT. But they sit down, bing, 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 boom. She, it's gone. It's amazing. I think we could use one. Do you like that? Yes. I mean, isn't that better than giving other countries billions of dollars, billions? We're going to give billions of dollars to other countries and so they can build a dome, but we don't have a dome ourselves. We're going to have the greatest dome ever, but now we have the technology. We have unbelievable technology. I think he's so suggestive that someone showed him the movies War Games and Biodome back-to-back fairly recently, and somehow he conflated the plots with his campaign talking points. I mean, that's that's what that sounds like. The good news is, a, as a baseball fan, we'll never have another rainout. <laughs> that is very good. That's true. That's true. And you know what? Finally, uh, finally like, Northeast uh, states, like Maryland, can host the Super Bowl. There you go. <laughs> Will it be a retractable roof? Well, it's going to take a couple extra bing, bing, booms, but we can make it happen. (laughs) I'm so confused. Is is that what he is? A dome like just one big roof? Like I'm so confused. I think think what he's talking about, like the dome, they call it the the golden dome in Israel. 
Yeah, Iron well, Dome. Which Iron they, Dome. Which, which but you know, listen, four more years of Trump, it turns into Thunderdome. So either way, it's all good. <laughs> no, I think that's it. Gina, Israel has, has a protective dome, figuratively, that didn't work 100% on October 7th right. when Israel was attacked. So I think that's what he's thinking of. Hey, they, we are so screwed. <laughs> but on the other hand, think of all the great podcasts we get to do. <laughs> well, yes, uh, yes. You know, what, what, when I lie in bed in fetal position thinking about the future that my daughter has ahead of her, I go, but you know what? At least there's podcast material. At least we have that. You know, that's an interesting point, Evan, because people say to us as comedians, well, at least Trump's good for uh, for comedy. No, it's depressing as hell, and nobody wants to hear that. Well, yeah. I, I disagree. Yes and no. Okay. Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll go on a quick tangent. Yes, he's go good for comedy because he's a material machine. I, I mean, I've made fun of every president left and right since I started. Uh, no, he's bad for comedy because there's a small minority of his fans that go to comedy shows. Well, they a lot of them go to comedy shows, but some of them are lunatics. I've never had more issues as a comedian with people sticking up for their president, their boyfriend, than I have had than I have had with Donald Trump. But I don't think that's the point of this podcast. But there's my there's my there's my two cents, which you can order when you get a Donald Trump gold coin. <laughs> but I noticed that I think we've done, I think, 70 of these episodes since Biden became president. And there's still been enough material because the people who like Donald Trump and the people who support him and you know even Trump himself, they're not they're not going away. They're they're still around. So. To disprove that one person's point, Jeff, we don't need to have Trump in office to have great material. Yeah, but buying material is kind of border, bo boring. Once you get old and doddering, what's left? He's kind of a boring guy. If the results in Iowa were a surprise to anyone, it was to Nikki Haley and her close third place setting, especially after this moment from a speech in New Hampshire maligning Iowa's voting habits. I trust every single one of you. You know how to do this. You know Iowa starts it. You know that you correct it. You know that you continue to go. <laughs> My sweet state of South Carolina brings it home. That's what we do. That's what we do. I mean, that kind of reminds me of a gig I did. I'd say like 16, almost 17 years ago now. It was in front of a bunch of Clemson students. I just spent the first five minutes ragging on the Gamecocks because that's their big rival down there, their big college uh, rival. And I just had them eating out of the palm of my hand. So I, in a way, I could see what she was doing. But like, unlike me, there's like cameras and uh, and news outlets and stuff following her around. So... Probably a poor choice, and she tried to, and she tried to walk it back. She's been walking back a lot of things lately. Her uh, "America is not a racist country" comment, and then she's she uh, for, forgetting, of course, slavery. Yeah, she's uh, she she doesn't seem to be uh, good on her feet. Well, she's going to be judged like a normal politician, unlike Donald Trump. I mean, ah. it, that, that, listen, people don't understand this. 
You know, you'll see people, they try to run as Donald Trump. We saw it in the congressional races and in the Senate races. And if it's even close, they lose because they're not Donald Trump. There's only one Donald Trump. And nobody seems to get that, which is why I go back to what I said earlier. You have to run a completely different type of campaign. You have to you have to forget everything that you've learned as a politician and go, all right, I'm in the I'm in the ring with a Teflon pit bull. How am I going to survive this? That's what you got to do. And Chris Christie tried it, but it was too late for Chris Christie. I mean, he was, you know, Chris Christie had his opportunity to run for president and it wasn't in 2024. So, you know, I mean, I guess, but I don't know that you, is it worth, I mean, I suppose if you're in politics, it is worth putting your integrity to the side if you even have any, but I just can't imagine that you would shut, you would get rid of every positive thing that you, you might have about you, um, except, you know, if you're a Republican, then and then put this all against this narcissist. There's no, he's a cult leader. So there's, if there's nothing you can do, why would you stoop so low? You know, why would you do that? Well, then Gina, then why run? What's the point? Because I think you're right. I think you're, you're trying to get people, you're trying to actually appeal to like, heart and logic and policy policy oh Oh, sweet gina (laughs) sweet sweet gina have you met us have you met humanity what are you (laughs) adorable i mean i know but i'm i'm just trying to think i mean on the dem side i'm not saying they don't get a little bit dirty but they're not getting that filthy over there they're going after policy and things that make sense so when you go to pull one thing or the other you're like well really they're i like the what they think about education i like the way they they're talking about social security like you but over there it's not even about policy at all and i think that the 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 people that are trying do you think that it's not about policy it's about making me feel good. And that's who we are. That's what the society is about. How do I feel good? What makes me feel good? And there's a segment of the population, Donald Trump makes feel good. It's nobody on this show. But there's yeah. a lot of them <laughs> out there. Yeah. And I've met them. And, you know, a lot of them uh, are good people. Uh, you know, a lot of them are good people. But there's a, the guy has a charisma. It doesn't appeal to anybody here. So you got to figure, you need somebody who's charismatic to go after him. Right. And listen, Joe, Joe, like we were talking about, Joe Biden didn't win the general because he's charismatic. There, This this last time, there was a few thousand more people in the states that mattered that were appealing to what Gina says, logic and decency. No guarantee that happens next time. Well, if the Dems show up, we win again. I mean, that's just how it is. The big yes. What? No, I get you. I, I completely get you. But then I hear what you're saying, but no woman then is going to ever appeal. And no woman who, even if she pretends that she's not a minority, she is. Um, it's She's a minority of convenience. Whenever it makes sense for her, she pulls that card. She's never going to pull a MAGA. The only person that probably could have was Ron because he looks just like him, but he doesn't have the charisma. So you're probably right. They need, you know, they need another Nazi. 
uh, Tom, I hope you call this segment. Um, they need another Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> if there's anything to be taken from the caucus results is that the Republican Party doesn't want to go back to the days of moderation. And instead, they opt for appealing to the type of people who mow their lawns in Make America Great Again boxer shorts. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie expressed this sentiment in a hot mic moment moments before he announced he was suspending his presidential campaign, as we can hear in this clip. Yeah, that's what you get. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, she spent 68 million so far, just on TV. Spent 68 million so far, 59 million by DeSantis, and we spent 12. I mean, who's punching above their weight and who's getting a return on their investment, you know? And she's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. She's still 20 points behind Trump in New Hampshire, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's going to, he's still going to carry Iowa, right? Yes. Always. I, t- you know, I talked to De- DeSantis called me, petrified that I would. He's probably getting out of half of Iowa. I don't, I mean, it, it's, there. I didn't, he, he was just telling the truth, I think. Is was that, he though? Should, first of all, should Chris Christie be saying punching above anybody's weight? Right. No. <laughs> Bad analogy for him. <laughs> I mean, I mean, listen, I mean, and I like Chris Christie, uh, but he's like talking about, oh, she's going to get smoked. Dude, she smoked you. you you're <laughs> getting out of the race. Chris, come back to us, baby. No, I mean, I, Chris Christie is a piece of garbage. You, did you forget about him with the tunnel? Did you forget about him with the yeah. traffic? And let's not forget the hypocrisy yeah. he showed by campaigning. His whole campaign was we can't let Trump win. Who did he support four years ago? What well, he's the only he... guy that said, Jeff, that he won't vote for Trump this time. Yes. And four years ago, he helped Trump prep for the first debate when Trump had COVID and, and ignored it. And Christie ended up in the hospital. And Christie tried to teach Trump how to get Joe to stutter because Joe is a stutter. And Trump was too stupid to execute it. But that's what Christie did. So don't tell me that Christie's a person of integrity. Yeah, who said no, that? he's not. He's, who he's said, who? <laughs> but who I said actually, that, Jeff? He's a. I don't. I don't like any of them. But I. I will say in that particular. Yeah, she. I, I agree. She's gonna get smoked. There. There. Ron's gonna pull out. Like there. Um. You know. Don't. Don't even comment on that. I can see well, your smile, well, Davin. I see it. Don't you dare say anything about Ron. I'm just out. saying it's easier to have an anti-abortion law if everybody pulled out like Ron's about to. <laughs> right. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, like Chris. Yeah. Was he? You know, like, like rotten after he. Yeah. Immediately they always turn like that. The same thing with Vivek. Jeff, like they Jeff didn't even mention Chris's biggest egregious problem. Why he lost a lot of people. There was a point in New Jersey where he shut down the beaches in right. New Jersey. And then there was the aerial photo of Chris yeah. lounging with his family on the beaches. Exactly. So, yeah, he's a he's a hypocrite. But, you know, we're in a viper den, buddy. You got to fix somebody. <laughs> Popping back against the Republican Party ideals and platforms is not new to Chris Christie. As we can see in this 2011 clip, when he answers back to criticism, when he appointed a Muslim to the Garden State's court. Sharia law has nothing to do with this at all. It's crazy. It's crazy that guy's an American citizen who has been an admitted lawyer to practice in the state of New Jersey, swearing an oath to uphold the laws 
of New Jersey, the Constitution of the state of New Jersey, and the Constitution of the United States of America. And so this Sharia law business is crap. It's just crazy. And I'm tired of dealing with the crazies. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's just unnecessary to be accusing this guy of things just because of his religious background. I mean, this is typical, you know, uh, blue state Republican governor optics. I mean, Gina, Jeff and I saw the same thing with Hogan to an extent uh, here in Maryland, especially during the COVID outbreak and his refusal to support Donald Trump in 2020 and 2016 as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean here I, again, I think that while I think that there's probably not one positive thing I can say about about Donald Trump, other people, normal humans, they sometimes they say something that is positive, and sometimes they do a right thing, even if ninety percent of them um, are demonic or evil. Generally, there's a small percentage of, and in this case, I have to agree with him. Like, here's the thing: like, I don't. I wish that we didn't mix the two anyway. I mean. Uh, I, I wish that we didn't religion didn't play a part in how we govern because it allows us to continually use this as um, a way to sort of discriminate and talk about things where, you know, I mean, we see it all the time. And I just wish that truly government was government and it governed in this way. I wish we didn't have to swear over a Bible. I wish we didn't have to do any of that. What you do outside of government should just be that, simply your life that has nothing to do with how I pay my taxes. I don't know if this is if, if this is a uh, metaphor or I think this is sort of symbolic of what's going on in in politics today, especially in the Republican Party. It was really, really hard to find that video clip. Like, I remember when that first aired all those years ago, like there were endless clips of it around. And if I knew I was going to be talking about that clip on a podcast 13 years later, I would have found a way to save it instead of relying on what's basically a third generation copy of a crappy video of course i mean not crappy in quality not in in content but it's it's sad that stuff like that doesn't get around more often and that's not more and that's not more in uh republican party ethos i'm gonna say something that's probably a very unpopular uh to the majority of your listeners i think at his heart chris christie's actually a good guy. I and I think and I think he's a good politician. Does he do things that we disagree with? <laughs> Absolutely. But I think at his core, much like your former mayor, uh, excuse me, Governor Larry Hogan, I think I think they're good people. And then you could just argue policy. I'd be a lot happier if we could just have like essentially good people arguing policy. I remember when uh, Hurricane Sandy hit, Chris Christie got skewered because he met with Barack Obama and hugged him. Why did he hug Barack Obama? Because Obama was coming to give money to the state, the people of New Jersey, and Chris Christie was doing his job, which was to serve the people of New Jersey. So yeah, I mean, I know I know, we look at what he did with Trump, and none of us on this show like Donald Trump, 
you know, spoiler alert, breaking news. But I think the guy's a good guy, which is probably why he had no shot running this year as a Republican and why Larry Hogan had no shot running as a Republican. They don't want a good guy. They want Donald Trump. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say he's like that necessarily, but I will agree with you, Davin, that, and that's why I was saying that even people who I disagree with from a policy perspective, every once in a while, they say something I agree with just because they either speak to the parent in me, they speak to the woman in me, they might just speak to freaking humanity, right? So every once in a while, you can see you know, a little bit, a flicker of humanity in them. And I think that's what we saw in Chris. And I think during the hug example that you gave, we saw that in Chris, it happens. And so, yeah, I agree with um, Chris on this one. You know, I I think you're giving these SOBs too much credit. I think they're despicable people, all of them. They're just various degrees of their being despicable. But Trump was as, as number one. Yeah, don't tell me that Pence is a good guy because he's pious. Don't tell me that Nikki Haley's a good person because she comes from an immigrant background. They're all disgusting people. But wait, but but I didn't stick up for them. I sp- I, I gave Chris Christie and Tom provided an example, and I provided an example where he where he actually did do good things. Listen, I mean, I'm not going to vote for Chris Christie uh, per se, and he was popular in New Jersey. For a while, once, but I mean, but you know, is Larry Hogan despicable because you disagree with him on a wide variety of policies, or is he probably a good guy who you disagree with on policy? There's a difference. Uh, we we could do another episode about that. Listen, we are stacking <laughs> episodes, Tom. <laughs> Jeff and Gina and I can do a whole episode. <laughs> Of course, we must not forget the true unsung hero of this year's GOP Iowa caucuses. In this clip, Ryan Binkley, a pastor from Texas, gives his closing statement in this clip from Iowa media. Something is missing in America, and I think it's this. Our nation is bankrupt. We're bankrupt economically, and we're bankrupt spiritually. I'm a CEO. I will solve inflation, I'll balance the budget, and I'll lead an economic renewal in our country again. It's so much time that we save the U.S. dollar. I'm also a pastor, and I see people, and we'll start an education movement right in the heart of urban America. We'll change education from the ground up with volunteers and vocational trades, and it's time that we do something. We unite our country again, and so as president, I will do that. If you want something different, you have to vote for someone different. The guy who gave his closing speech in what looked like a garden shed, at least he can say he got more votes in Iowa than Asa Hutchinson. (laughs) I don't know that he's dropped out yet. Who the hell is that? Thank you, Gina. I am unfamiliar with that handsome white gentleman. Right. AP Alert told me about Asa, but did not tell me about Andrew Riddle. Okay. <laughs> like Andrew Riddle is a freaking riddle. No, that, that's not even his that's not even his name. He used someone else's account. His name is Ryan Binkley. Oh <laughs> well that's how you fair. know your campaign's fucked if you have to borrow someone else's <laughs> Zoom account. You can't even well, afford right. your own Zoom account. Right? <laughs> it was gonna he was gonna talk for more than 40 minutes right. <laughs> with unlimited. Oh my gosh. I've, and, I've and, never heard of this guy. I mean, he says 
it's an aspirational type of message, which is certainly not the Republican message these days. The Republican message is vengeance. I mean, Donald Trump told you that, <laughs> but was he running for like town council? Because I, I mean, I just feel like he was looking for volunteers in education. The, <laughs> the teachers. No, he was running. He was running for president. He had a he I mean, had a representative in some of the uh, in some of the Iowa uh, caucus rooms. I mean, the teachers are making a salary and they feel like they're volunteering. Like no one's truly going to volunteer in education. I don't even understand what he's saying. It was no, basically well, I, I, it was basically like a speech that an eight year old gives about how to improve a country. We are going to have volunteers in our schools. We are going to hire business people to balance the nation's budget. And we are going to be more spiritual. Yeah. And that is how I would fix the country. The end. Yeah, but that works. That works. I mean, we <laughs> mock it, but most people aren't like the people on this show who care about policy. Like I said earlier, most people feel good. In a different time with a budget, that guy could have been somebody. somebody you know, if you got that. <laughs> afford his own zoom account he's a ceo yeah. but it, he doesn't have it budgeted for a zoom account so <laughs> well he didn't say what he's the ceo of <laughs> his house maybe <laughs> he runs thing he looks around both ways make sure his wife's not present says i'm the ceo of my house right. <laughs> in conclusion now that the iowa caucuses are over Iowans can relax with the knowledge that with the end of the caucus, it is the end of the endless campaign stops and the ads, and they can think to themselves, thank God those fuckers are finally leaving my state. It is a sentiment that is expressed in every state once they have completed their primary process. But little do they know that the torture is not over for the good people of Iowa. The Democrats may not have their caucus there anymore, but that won't stop the various fringe candidates from making their stops to talk to voters in their mail-in primary before Super Tuesday. The Iowan may be interrupted by a visit from Dean Phillips, who will resort to a coffee meeting disguised as a traveling road show before being chased off by pitchforks and torches, as Dean Phillips is slightly less coherent than Frankenstein's monster. The Iowan may also receive a visit from Marianne Williamson, but it's no big deal, as deranged women rambling about orbs is normal for any small Iowa town. The only difference is that unlike his fellow townsfolk, Marianne Williamson will not be mentioning how Hunter Biden is injecting cocaine into the COVID vaccine, hence the need for the warnings from Joe Rogan. She won't be doing that, at least to the best of my knowledge. And on that note, that's our show. I want to thank Jeff Heisen, Gina Brown, and Davin Rosenblatt. Thank you, Brown. This episode was written and hosted by Tom Myers with panelists Jeff Heisen, Gina Brown, and Davin Rosenblatt. Theme music composed and arranged by Jeroen Vandenhuren. Executive producers Tom Myers, Matt Connerton for IPM Nation, and Eddie Carson for Odyssey Radio. Please leave a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast's Patreon for early access to episodes, ad-free episodes, extended episodes, bonus clips, and more. Thank you for listening, and please visit TomMyers.us.
Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you want to listen to more of this episode, go ahead and subscribe to my Patreon. There you can get extended versions of episodes like this one, as well as bonus clips. You can even listen to regular episodes without all these pesky little ads through which you have to fast forward. Doesn't really cost that much. Plans as low as $1 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Tom Myers, spelled M-Y-E-R-S. Show the love, subscribe, show your support today. That's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Hi everyone. I'm Orb. I am not the official spokesperson for Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. A-A-Ron is tied up right now. Shut up, I'll untie you in a minute. Here at Oddly, we're producing some great shows. Bombing Run, where comedians compete to see who's Joker Race. And Orb's Wacky World, a talk show with a mix of comedy, uncomfortable questions, and music hosted by yours truly. When you think of comedy, think of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y, Funny Productions. Now how do I get out of here? Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.